0: Beer Me. I am your host Sarah Jane. Every week I will have a different guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional we will have something for you. Welcome back everyone. Today my guest I am very excited I have been hoping for her to be a guest on the show from day one, because I met her at Craft Brewers Conference in D.C. just as the show was getting started. So I'm welcoming to the show Annie Johnson. She is a brewmaster, an award-winning home brewer, a beer judge. I feel like you're so many things. You do a lot of things.
1: I I do. (laughs) It's,
0: (laughs) It's actually funny, I research for the shows right and i discovered i don't know if you know this you have an entire wikipedia page
1: you know who did that It was uh oregon state they update it they maintain it they have a really great historian there who manages quite a few pages so and i spoke with her like a year and a half ago so i I couldn't believe that because someone else referenced that i said what
0: (laughs) yeah and it's like it's a really well done wikipedia page so Instead of having listeners have to deal with me, drone on and on about your background, why don't you tell them a little bit about who you are and how you got started in beer?
1: Sure. I'll give you the short version. I have a tendency to ramble. I started homebrewing in the late 90s with a couple of really good friends of mine after having bought a kit pretty much on a whim up in Fort Bragg, California. And then we started homebrewing on weekends. And the beers were not not great for a couple of years, but they got better over time. And then I started entering competitions and winning. I just kept going from there. And then I started judging, I think, which beer judging, which really helped me become a better brewer. And then I just kept honing my craft, devoting times to different styles of beers. You know, the Belgians for several years and then moving on to... American styles, German styles, English styles, until I could conquer those. And then about seven years ago, I got an offer to work for a small manufacturing startup in Seattle that made small-scale homebrewing equipment. That's how I met you at the Craft Brewers Conference. That was really great. It brought me into product manufacturing and then also
0: homebrewing,
1: all the things that I love. And it was good for me to place, to use my engineering background too, so. And now I just, uh, I'm part of the American Homebrewers Association Governing Committee as a rep from Seattle to, you know, kind of get my pulse on a finger of homebrewers throughout the region. And I'm really active in my homebrew club. And now I'm experimenting with other fermented foods and beverages, which is a lot of fun. And I still judge. Let's start
0: again at the very beginning. You have been a homebrewer for years and years and years. And, you know, when you said you got started, what were some lessons you learned kind of right off the bat? Or, or what is some general advice you have for people just getting started? Well, you know, they've just bought their first homebrew kit and this is their first time.
1: I would tell them to go easy on themselves. It's not going to be great right out of the gate. It might be, but then it will go downhill kind of like yo-yoing like dieting (laughs) you know if they find their passion in it to stick with it but it's better to get a couple of good books and then there are a couple of really good magazines geared for the home brewer and be wary of youtube videos because it's like golfing or or any other hobby that you can pick up everyone's going to have their own style and someone might Try to tell you to do it this way and not that way. But you know, once you get the fundamentals and the basics down, you, you really have to find your own style. But just to really go easy on yourself and then remember to have fun. And I would also, my one hard fast rule is do not drink when you are brewing.
0: Do not drink when you're brewing. No,
1: because there's propane, there's fire, fire bad. <laughs> You have a tendency to make a lot of process mistakes as well when you're drinking. So do that and then take notes. But most of all, you got to have fun with it and be patient, easy on yourself. It's so fun.
0: You had mentioned there's some good books or magazines that are, that are good for beginners.
1: Yes. My personal favorite that I've had since when I started homebrewing is BYO, Brew Your Own Magazine. There are so many tips from really good homebrewers. And then they have this incredible relationships with professional brewers that break it down for home brewers and give them tips. So if, if Belgians are your fancy or Germans or, you know, or American styles or other styles throughout the world, they have those brewmasters from a brewery. I know that everybody loves all of them. There is a one they haven't talked to and they give you the tips and then they have their own food scientists and engineers that really, you know, give you the nuts and bolts. And then there's the do-it-yourself, because there are a lot of people that love to make their own kegerators. You know, they set up their own carving system and, and they like to build things. So there's that as well. So it's really a well-rounded magazine. And then I would always be a member of the AHA and you can get their Zymurgy magazine because it's a great way to support the hobby. And what they do is work with, in different states, On legislation so they make it easier for homebrewers to homebrew and to travel with their homebrew and they make it easy for clubs to have club insurance and things that are important it's really good and it's a not-for-profit so it's a really good one and then of course how to brew john palmer which gives you the overview of malt and hops and yeasts and water chemistry but in a way that you can read it you're going to go, well, I don't understand this. It's very easy to read. No, very digestible. Yeah. And he just has a manner about him, you know, that's really approachable and makes it easy for the reader. So I would start, you know, with those three. And then there are fun books out there. Experimental homebrewing is another favorite, which can really, breaks down how to do some styles if you want to brew with other ingredients you know, spices, herbs, fruits, but then the basics of IPA as well. And then bringing experts that's written by Drew Beecham and Danny Kahn, two of the better homebrewers in the country. And they also have a podcast, but you you have to be, like I said, when you asked me the first question, you have to be wary about somebody telling you this way or the highway, because that's really not how it works. It is art and science. So there is some science to it. Also, there's that element of creativity. But I think those four things, those publications, could really get you to where you need to be.
0: I feel like as a former culinary student, there's so many ways to roast a chicken, right? Like there's a temperature that you have to get it to. There's, there's a basic set of ingredients on how to properly roast a chicken. But right. I feel like there's so many roads to get there, and there's so many tips and tricks
1: I thought I knew how to roast a chicken, but when I watched Salt, Fat, Acid Heat mm-hmm. with Simon Nasrat, and then when she yeah. roasted her chicken and she brined it in buttermilk and then Ugh. she did it, I'm thinking, I never knew how to roast a chicken. <laughs> you know, because it would be moist but dry. But then I did it her way. And I learned so much all the time from reading other people's experiments with food because fear is food.
0: And when you first got started and you were kind of brewing, was there a particular style or a particular beer that kind of like sparked it for you that you were like, ooh, this is the shit?
1: I really was a big fan of Jamaica Red by Mad River Brewing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm from California and the American Amber, which we know as a California Red, that style popped up right out of there with Red Tail years and years ago. And I was fascinated with it because it had the malt, because a lot of us were just used for the malty beers then. But then it had that element of hops, which was really nice. And different from Sierra Nevada, Pale Ale, which I consider my hometown brewery because I, I grew up in a small town just outside of um, Chico. But just a little bit different because it added a little bit more of that malt aspect. And all of that was kind of popping out relatively in close time. So I have a real affinity for that, and that's the one that I really wanted to conquer from the get-go. And then it was my first blue ribbon I ever got. It was for my American Amber. First competition, first blue ribbon. And that's what I call my house beer. That's something that I brew all the time. It's kind of a benchmark, you know, and I can brew that in my sleep. You know, I moved on into the Belgians because... They were the next big thing for me, and the English ales. It's just a treatment of other ingredients and their expression of the the yeast in the Belgians. And then with the British ales, it was more about a delicate balance and those wonderful English hops, those East Kent Golding. I miss those kinds of beers at breweries because now, and in, in, here in America, we're into more hops, or putting a, you know, a German chocolate cake in a beer.
0: <laughs> Where are my good miles at, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm missing what some a friend of mine calls beer-flavored beer. There are breweries that do it, but you go into the brewery and two-thirds of it is, well, different kinds of IPAs. I like those, but they're seasonal for me.
0: So in 2013, you won the National Home Brewer of the Year competition. Yes. And there were what over eight thousand beers entered, and that beer was called "Mow the Damn Lawn."
1: Yes, this was a light lager, and for a home brewer, it was technically difficult. It is a hard beer to make. That's incredibly hard. You know, in the wine world, it'd be like Sauvignon Blanc. That you can't hide off flavors. And then I followed a process from an article I had read several years prior, I think 2004. I read about this way to do it at home, and it was very involved with multiple mash steps that were elongated temperature holes. So it was a hard beer to make, but it worked out really well for me. That's how I push myself even now is to, to find beers that are technically very difficult to make at home, You know, the the macro brewery can make the light beer very easily. And even when you go to a craft brewery, they're not really making them either because they are very difficult, and there's special equipment to make them.
0: For those kinds of beers, I mean, there's nothing sour to hide behind, no No, super hoppy. Like, it's a pure flavor that you really have to nail. And there's a lot of systems that have to be in place, and the stars kind of need to align for that to pull through. And the step above that is consistency, getting that product at a consistent level. I mean,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Beer snobs will say what they will about, you know, Bud Light or something like that, but they're producing a product, you know, worldwide.
1: Yeah. And it tastes the same here as it does tens of thousands of miles in another continent. It's the same. It's like other big food manufacturing companies. You know, there is that level of consistency, and I I think craft brewers want that. And home brewers, we definitely want to be able to reproduce what we do. And the key to that is automation. And I think that's what led me to, when I took the job in Seattle at the startup, was the automation to help you repeat the process. There are experts like me who sometimes don't need that. (laughs) But I, I'm also in my going into my 24th year, so I I know how I can get around some of the things. But you got to think about it. A brewery like Pilsner or Quell, one of my personal favorites, they are still brewing the beer today as they were in I was 1842 to have that benchmark beer. They have modern equipment now, but they still brew it the old way at the brewery. To, to do the flavor matching. They're always going back to the old school flavor profile to make sure that they're getting it with their modern equipment.
0: So what are some tips that you could give to homebrewers that are struggling with consistency?
1: It's really good to take notes because even now when I taste something and it's not right, I know where I made the mistake. Yeah, but that's because I've been doing it so long. But if you're starting out, you take notes. So you're writing down that you're hitting all your points. I've carried this philosophy and pushed it off on people for the longest time. And they tell me that once they started to pay attention and take notes, that they were hitting all their numbers and their beer was improving.
0: And you do a significant work with Pink Boots Society, correct?
1: I do. I'm a co-president of the Seattle chapter.
0: So we've been lucky on Beer Me to, you know, interview the Pink Boots Society here in Washington, D.C., but this is an organization that really encourages women to brew and homebrew. It's a great organization. There are chapters all over the U.S. Every single person I've ever met that's associated with this organization is kind, welcoming, excited, just excited to brew together.
1: Yeah, I'm fortunate because... The founder, Terry Ferendorf, she lives in Portland. She's also a friend. Her whole idea into starting this is when she decided to hit the road because she couldn't find that many women in the industry. And then she just started collecting cars, and she thought, well, this would be good to have a network. And so the sole mission of the Pink Boots is to help the brewer through education. So we do a lot of educational things And we're starting to expand that into some diversity and inclusion. There's so many more things that are happening now. And with more women-identified people in the industry, you've got to have resources for that. And it's just a good group to network, to meet other people that are doing what you're doing in the beverage industry, whether it's marketing or brewing or in the cellar work. I really, really enjoy it. We got together to choose our pink boots blend that we get from Yakima Chief Hops.
0: Oh, so there's a special blend of hops coming from Yakima Hops? Right. So
1: they sent us uh, 10 different varieties of hops. Then we break it down in percentages, and they want you to pick four or five. So once they get all of the voting from the different chapters, then they'll select the different, you know, probably four hops that will go into a special blend. And then we brew that and march on our International Women's Day. All over the world, all the different chapters brew. So it's really a cool event. And then we raise money for scholarships, internships. It's really a neat thing. Pink Boots does.
0: And you are currently on the governing committee for the American Homebrewers Association. What kind of work does that entail?
1: We're doing quite a bit. I mean, we're we had the bummer of not having our homebrewers Conference again this year. We're hoping maybe next year that we'll do that. So we do a lot of things to prepare for that. And then we're also trying to do some things to get more diversity in clubs and to help clubs. And I know this from my own club. We have this just dynamic, young group of people that are very smart Way smarter than me. And they're changing the face of homebrewing. So my biggest thing with the AHA is I'd like to bring it a little bit out of the Stone Age into 2021 and beyond.
0: We've been lucky enough to have the D.C. Homebrewers Club on the show a handful of times.
1: They're awesome.
0: They're amazing. I mean, it's a fantastic chapter. And, like, the biggest advice that I ever have for homebrewers is, like, get involved with your club, go to a couple meetings. It's always a really great group of people. And that club in particular is super welcoming, super diverse. There's people from all parts of the world, parts of life, parts of ages. They're really a wonderful group of people. It's a great place for homebrewers who have kind of caught that bug to get started, for sure.
1: It really is. And some clubs are, are like D.C. homebrewers, they're far more advanced than some other clubs. So that's what I would encourage, too, to people just getting a hobby and think they might want to join a club. Shop around. I know I did, but then when I got to a new town, when I got to Seattle, it was all about, I'm in a new place, I have no friends, I'm going to look to the homebrewers. I look for the one that had the things that I liked, and I joined, and I'm so happy to be a part of the North Seattle Homebrewers. And we've really had to reshape the way North Seattle does things because of the pandemic. And we have a really solid group of people that we get together on our Zoom monthly. We bring in speakers to talk, you know, on special education nights. So all these things, and we're still able to do a lot of shares of beer, but you're just kind of on an exchange On someone's porch, you just pick up and drop off. Then we work with a lot of local craft breweries, because there's a million in Seattle, to work with brewers. And we get their beer in advance, and we drink that, and we talk with them while we're having it. So those kinds of things that came out of my own club, I'm passing off so people can adopt those. And the camaraderie is awesome that you get. You know, there's always bumps on a log in every club, but for the most part, you like everybody. I just had homebrewers over one by one because I have two plum trees, and they I'm like, who wants plums? So they all want to do different things, and I'm like, well, that's awesome. I'm learning about mead. I'm learning about making plum brandy. I'm also learning about different ways that people put fruits and beers and things.
0: I have a very active fig tree in my backyard, and I'm thinking of dumping some of those fruits on the DC homebrewers.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you'll get all those mead makers.
0: You know, kind of as we're wrapping up here, I'm going to ask you some more frivolous questions to end on a super fun frivolous note. As you kind of got through this pandemic, what was the what was the beer that got you through it?
1: Probably Urquell Pilsner Urquell. And I did the opposite on the pandemic. I stopped drinking pretty much. I mean, I was having maybe one or you know, two, maybe every week or so until I got my vaccine. Then I I think I had one or two more, but yeah. And then I kind of like vacillated over to uh, bourbon. But yeah, or Quail, that's been one. And then there's a local brewery in Bellingham called Chuckanut. They use old school brewing methods and they're just fabulous, you know, and they still serve in the 500 ml brown bottle. So you kind of get that. I feel like I'm overseas when I'm not. <laughs> and lastly...
0: Let's say the world opens up tomorrow, what is the first brewery you desperately want to go to?
1: Oh, I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to Belgium and I'm going to I'm going to get to Soy and I'm going to visit Fantôme. They do saison Pipe, right? They have many different saisons that they do, but they do the the one with the ghost. But yeah, I would I would definitely go there. I did visit there before and Boy, when they talk about three hundred year old farmhouse, that thing was tilted and spooky. And I walked around. They said, "Well, come up here." And I saw those stairs. I thought, "I'm a big American. I will splinter those in about five seconds." <laughs> so I'll stay on this lower level. Um, but I would, I would go there. And it, it's such pretty countryside.
0: Well. Annie, thank you so much for taking the time and giving some advice to uh, to new and veteran homebrewers all around.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Well, everyone, this has been Beer Me. Please check us out anywhere you get podcasts, uh, like, star, subscribe, all of those things. If you have any questions, reach out at Beer Me Radio on Instagram or BeerMeRadio at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. Cheers.